Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Hey, good morning everybody. Glad to have you here at the Vineyard. My name is Adam. I am the pastor here and it's good to be with you. Um, Always good to baptize some people. Always good to baptize some people. I want to say one thing more about baptism before we just head into our regular message. Um, uh, I I have just been very aware of the way that many new people in our church are awakening to faith. Been having some really great conversations uh, with lots of people lately. And uh, I I just want everybody in this room to know uh, we, we baptized four little ones just a moment ago. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. But I, I want every adult in here to know as well, uh, if, if faith has been awakening in your life here at the Vineyard over the last few months, and, and if you're ready to be a Christian, uh, baptism is not just for little ones. Baptism is for big people too. And I will baptize your hind end. Any day. It's like a really big deal. It's the first way, it's the first way we signal publicly that, that you want to be a Christian. That's what it really is. And so I just, I just want to put that out there, that I don't just baptize children, uh, but Andrew and I, we baptize adults, and, uh, and that goes for everybody in this room. If you've never been baptized, we would love to do that. I think it's really an important thing. Okay, uh, you see the slide that's up. It says Holy Trinity. Uh, the reason it says Holy Trinity is that this is Trinity Sunday. This is Trinity Sunday in the church calendar. And I just want to read... A scripture here from the lectionary to us this morning. It comes from Matthew 28, and I think you'll see why this is the prescribed scripture for the Sunday morning. Uh, This is at the very end of Matthew's gospel, and it goes something like this. The the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them doubted. And Jesus came and he told his disciples... I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And isn't it wonderful that when, when the scripture for the church all around the world is Matthew 28. And isn't it wonderful when Jesus says to these disciples, go and baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Isn't it wonderful that we got to baptize some people this morning? Isn't that just great? Yeah. Well, here's what I want to do this morning. I want to, I want to give you maybe, hopefully, a shorter message this morning. We'll see how that goes. And I also want to do something that's maybe a little bit different uh, in terms of what I normally do for uh, sermons here at the Vineyard. I, I, I want to give you a, 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 maybe a slightly shorter message this morning, and I really kind of want to talk about the doctrine of the Trinity just for a second. Um, I want to I want to give us maybe maybe something a little a little meatier than we normally do, and uh, I just want to say a couple things about the Trinity uh, that is outlined in the passage here in Matthew, and then we saw it in the passage in Luke that I read to you. I hope you noticed as well. Um, I just want to say a couple, 
a couple things about the Trinity for us uh, this morning. Um, number one, I, I want to say that the Trinity is the paradox of the knowable and the unknowable. Uh, one of the things that's been said at various times about uh, the doctrine of the Trinity is, is something like this. Uh, the one who denies the Trinity loses his soul, but the one who tries to explain the Trinity loses his mind. And so uh, I just want to signal to you here that anytime you begin to delve into this mystery, you're delving into deep waters and usually the less you say, the better you are. Okay. And so that's why I want to limit what I'm saying this morning to you to two very specific things. And the first thing is just this. Uh, the Trinity is the paradox. It's like this meeting place of the knowable uh, and the unknowable. Uh, the fact that our God is a Trinity, meaning three persons, but one, three and one, not three versions of one, three and one. Uh, there's this tension between what we can say and what we cannot say. And sometimes people come to the doctrine of the Trinity and they move quickly to mystery. And just go, they just go straight to mystery, right? Uh, it, the Trinity is a mystery. It's impossible to know. It's impossible to explain. But our God revealed in Christ Jesus means, means this, that because God has revealed himself in the person of Jesus, we can never simply move straight to mystery. God has said some things about himself. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says that in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, that Jesus Christ is the radiance, the exact representation of the Father. So however mysterious the Trinity is, and it is, we can never simply move straight to mystery because God has revealed himself in the person of his Son. And so there are some things we can say. And so because of that, the Trinity is this paradox. It's this meeting place of the knowable and the unknowable. Uh, in Christ Jesus, God is knowable. In Christ Jesus, God is accessible. In Christ Jesus, God has come close to us. He's come close to us. Uh, you, can, you can know him. You can feel him. Uh, you are not alone. We're not alone. And we know this because the infinite has put on flesh and blood. The infinite God has put on flesh and blood. And even today, Jesus Christ rules and reigns in heaven with a body. Go ahead and just touch your arm. There's an, there's an arm in heaven that belongs to Jesus. And so, so because of that, there are some things we can say. And so for the sake of love, God became a man. And we know this and we trust it. But at the same time, uh, mysteries remain. And I can proclaim the Trinity while not fully grasping it. Uh, I, can, I can experience gravity. Uh, I'm, held to Heather, I'm held together by gravity, uh, yet I don't, fully, I don't fully comprehend it. How many of you know that? Uh, even today in science, this idea of the knowable and the unknowable, uh, places where it comes together, um, it's, really, it's really an amazing thing. Uh, even in the area of physics, uh, there are scientists who are experts at Newtonian physics and then quantum physics. That's like the study of little tiny things and the study of really, really big things. And how many of you understand that the, the quantum physics equations that they have work? And the Newtonian physics equations that they have, how many of you know that they actually work? But here's what's weird. How many of you know that no scientist has come up with a theory of everything yet that pulls these two realms of physics together? 
I mean, some people have these things like string theory, and some other people have these theories called many worlds, but no one has found the unified equation that can take Newtonian physics and quantum physics and put it together, right? It's it's an amazing thing. There, There are parts of who God is that I understand, that I see, that I know, and that I comprehend, and then there's this other part of God that is transcendent and that is beyond me. Like gravity is literally holding me together. And I can say less about gravity than some other people in the world. But even the experts hit a wall. Even the experts hit a wall. And I just want to say a couple things about this to us this morning. Aren't you glad that God is knowable? Aren't you glad that God is knowable? Aren't you glad that he is accessible? But here's the other thing I wanted to say to you this morning. Aren't you glad that there's a part of God that's incomprehensible? And you might be thinking, I don't know. I don't know. That, that, maybe that doesn't sound as good. I, I want to tell you why the incomprehensibility of God is actually a good thing. Here's why the incomprehensibility of God is a good thing. I could say it this way. Aren't you glad that God is not reduced to your, your ability or my ability to grasp him? Aren't you glad that God is bigger than the smartest person? Aren't you glad, aren't you glad that God will be infinitely discoverable? This is, this, is why, this is why the doctrine of the Trinity is a prism that's pointing us to something deeper about who God is. God is knowable and God is infinitely unknowable. And here's why that's a beautiful thing. This means that eternity is going to be an eternity of discovery. You guys remember a few weeks ago when Emily was sharing that kind of funny story, and it's probably a funny story because it's, it's been true for a lot of us, uh, when she was a little girl and she was talking to her mom about heaven and her mom was telling her about heaven, and, and Emily says, uh, in her mind, she was thinking, this sounds boring. And her mom's like, yeah, but we'll worship. And she's like, it just got worse. You know, it's like forever, you know. And, and here's, here's the thing that pulls heaven away from boring and, and away, from, away from dull and mundane. It's the incomprehensibility of God. Uh, the, the fact that God is knowable and, and utterly transcendent and that there's a part of him that will always exceed the smartest person's mind, it means that eternity will be an eternity of discovery. It'll be an eternity of knowing him. Like you know him, but you don't know him as well as you will know him. And even a billion years will not exhaust the knowing of God. This is hidden inside the doctrine of the Trinity. It is the paradox. It's the meeting place of the knowable and the unknowable. Second thing I want to say to you this morning is, sometimes Christianity is just a confession. Sometimes Christianity is just a confession. And I want to preach this next section for anybody in the room who ever struggles a little bit. Uh, our, Our faith is not simply some truth claims that we have to understand understanding something isn't what saves you. It's Jesus who saves you. And so our faith is not uh, some granular uh, intellectual truth claims that you have to have like a firm intellectual grasp on. Uh, Our trust is not ground down to materialist, atomic level suppositions alone. Uh, Salvation is not another word for intelligence. 
Instead, instead, Christianity at its base is a confession. And it goes something like this. I believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, the Son, our Lord, who was conceived, what? By the Holy Spirit. And here's why I wanted to say that this morning. Uh, there, are moments, there are moments that I understand. Uh, there are things that I understand. Uh, there, are, there are good days when I trust and I believe. You know, you guys have some good days where you just trust and believe, like the sun is shining, it's 72 degrees, and the bluebirds are singing, right? And you're like, I, I just, I believe God, right? I believe God. But then how many of you have fragile moments when you don't understand and faith seems to evaporate? Here's the good news. Uh, when, when you have fragile moments and your faith seems to evaporate, remember this. Sometimes Christianity is just a confession. It, I, just, I confess it. I can confess it even if I don't understand it and even if I'm struggling to believe it and trust it. I believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ the Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we come back to these things that move beyond our ability to trust or even understand, knowing that it is God who holds us even in our fragility. Number one, number one, the Trinity is the meeting place of the knowable and the unknowable. Number two, sometimes, sometimes our faith is a confession. And number, number three, the Trinity means that God is relational. God is relational. I want to read to you one quote from Tim Keller, who recently passed. Famous preacher from New York City. Tim Keller says this, If this world was made by a triune God, relationships of love are what life is really all about. God is a holy community within himself. And this means that if you want to take the word God out and if you wanted to put in ultimate reality or if you wanted to take ultimate reality out and you wanted to put in real life, what you would say is real life, ultimate reality, God is relational. The realest version of your life is always mediated by relationships. Trinity is another word for relationship. Trinity is another word for community. Uh, and, and relationship is another word for connection. If God is Trinity, then life is connection. And the rich and satisfying life will be found in connection to God and to others. Like if you just want to get your life a little bit more together this Sunday morning, if you wanted to do some things that would really change you on Monday and Tuesday, then begin to point yourself toward greater connection. Greater connection to others and greater connection to God because that's what real life is. Ultimate reality is not isolation. And ultimate reality is not separation. Instead, it's communion and immersion. Uh, and if you, if you really meditate on this, you'll see the ways in which this kingdom story and this kingdom doctrine, it moves against the grain of our Western individualist culture. Western culture says uh, the number one thing is the individual. Uh, the number one thing is the self-made man. That's like the hero archetype. And deeply embedded in the kingdom story is is that it's not the one, it's the three as one. There's a relationship there. It's not the lone ranger. That's not the kingdom story. It is the community and connection. 
It's communion and immersion. Plants that don't have a connection to the soil die. Light switches that are not connected to the power grid don't turn anything on. And human lives that aren't connected to God and to others wither from the inside out. That's part of the message. You might be thinking this morning, well, okay, connection, great. But what kind of connection? Well, the ultimate connection that's revealed in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one of self-giving love. I want to read another quote to you this morning. It's a little longer, but it just sort of captures it. This comes from C. Baxter Kruger. He says, the doctrine of the Trinity means that relationship, look at the words here, that fellowship, that togetherness and sharing, that self-giving and other-centeredness are not afterthoughts with God. But the deepest truth about the being of God, the Father is not consumed with himself. I love that. He loves the Son and the Spirit, and the Son is not riddled with narcissism. We live in an age of narcissism, and God is not narcissistic. Instead, he loves the Father and the Spirit, and the Spirit is not preoccupied with himself in his own glory. The Spirit loves the Father and the Son, giving, not taking, other-centeredness, sharing, not hoarding, are what, are what fire the rockets of God and lie at the very center of God's existence as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's otherness. Like, what kind of connection, what kind of connection is the real connection? It's the connection that moves towards other people. It's the connection that moves towards the other. All of this is why Amos says in Amos chapter 5 that God hates Worship songs if you're treating people bad. That's my paraphrase. Y'all remember that part in Amos? Amos says, away. God says, away with your noisy songs. Away with your melodies. I don't want to hear it. Uh, this, is, this is why Amos says something like that. And another way to understand Amos chapter 5 would be something like this. Good worship never makes up for treating people bad. Amos says, instead, let justice roll like a river. Little Martin Luther King Jr., right? Let justice roll like a river. Why? Because God's kind of connection, the communion of the Trinity, it's never self-seeking. It's always other-seeking. Like, what's the connection that is really the source of life? It's seeing others and serving and literally giving one's life for the other person. Good worship never makes up for treating people bad. The band will never be able to play us out of treating Campbellsville poorly. They'll just never be able to get it out. It's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, if you bring your gift to the temple and remember that your brother has something against you, what do you do? Go and reconcile with the brother. Like literally put your offering, don't give it to God. Don't give it to God. In fact, go and make things right with the other person. Why? Because the kind of connection that real life is rooted in is pointed towards other people. And when we connect to others, and when those connections are loving and other interested and serving and not self-interested, uh, we can be sure of one thing, church. We can be sure that we are near to God. We can be sure that we're coming closer to God. We can be sure that our faith is actually becoming the substance of Jesus we can be sure that we've got our feet on solid ground. Uh, we can be sure that we haven't fallen into a divine mystery, but we've landed into the very 
rock solid foundation of God's kingdom, we can be sure that we're near to God. So here's what I'd love to do this morning. Uh, if you're on the band, why don't you come on up? We're going to sing one more time, and then we're going to pray. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time. <laughs>